is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Diane Sher with a fantastic upbeat version of Duke Ellington's original It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is a place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And we do something special, and I'm sure you know it by now, but we bring in someone who's shaping the world of business and we call them a business shaper. I'm really pleased to say that my business shaper today is Kat Gazzoli. Hope I said that right. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. She's Italian originally. She's been in New York for a while. She's here now, and she is the founder of a business called Piccolo. And Piccolo make organic food for babies. And they've only been going just under a year, but they are kind of everywhere. It's very impressive. You'll be hearing lots from her very shortly. In addition to hearing from Kat, you'll be hearing from our program partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we got the music, and we got a crackerjack for full of brilliant music today from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul. Candace Springs is in there, Carmen McRae is in there, the elder statesmen are in there and so is Oliver Nelson. That was Oliver Nelson, um, brilliantly influential sax player. He died in 1975, aged just 43, and that was called The Critic's Choice. Kat Cazzoli is my business shaper today, as I said earlier. She's the founder of Piccolo, and they are the organic baby food people. And she is not new to the world of food, and we're going to find out all about that in a moment. But this is a relatively new business, and you can already find all their produce in some amazing places, including Waitrose, Planet Organic, Asda, Whole Foods, Hubbard Booths, and so many other places. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is Kat. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Elliot. Now... Tell me firstly, you're Italian. Yeah. But you have an American accent. I'm also American. And you have this beautiful life where you're here in the UK, but you also are in Italy quite a lot. Family is important to you. Talk to me a little bit about how this arrangement of your business has has, has arrived, where you are here, you're there, <laughs> you're kind of everywhere. You've got a young child, your 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 parents are your father, your father, your husband's parents are involved. It's all interesting to me. Let's start with family. Oh, uh, sure. So I think I'll start with my dad. So he's been really uh, helpful in the whole sourcing side of Piccolo. So he's based in France, where we get a lot of our ingredients as well. I have a family in Italy, up near Venice and near Genova. And we this is, these are the kind of places we're getting the fantastic herbs and vegetables and fruits um, for Piccolo. So that's really twofold. First, these are countries that I just have a lot of history with because of my family on the French and Italian side. But I'm sourcing from uh, small independent family farms there as well. So there's a lot of reasons to be going to the Mediterranean, basically. Very good. Anyone, any excuse is a good excuse. And just tell me a little bit about Piccolo. What made you think that the world needed an organic baby food business? Because there's a few out there that are yeah. similar. Yeah. What, what is it about the... What was behind the idea? Sure. Well... 
First of all, my, my background was coming from um, an organization called Slow Food that really promotes healthy, nutritious food and how that food is sourced. And during that time, I spent um, years with the National Childbirth Trust, which is the UK's largest charity for parents. So while I was working with the NCT and Slow Food, I was hearing directly from parents what they felt was missing in the market. So um, very much the insight behind Piccolo, the recipes, the innovation in Piccolo, the herbs and spices you see running through it, the blends that we use and the ingredients that we use and where they're sourced from. As much as that's part of my DNA and 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 so important to me when built when building a brand and making a delicious tasting product, I was hearing from British parents across the UK, you know, that they wanted some blends that would have a little hint of you know, basil or um, mint, and it would be just a little bit more stretching of their child's palate, and that's why you see the kind of flavors we have, like mango and kale, um, and you know. We have a, a new blend that has beetroot in it. And so it's, it's a little bit more just taking it to an baby food to another level. So that wasn't just what I felt was needed, but it was nice to hear from parents from everywhere from Plymouth to Sheffield. Perfect. Consumer research um, en masse. <laughs> that's what actually the, your involvement with it. Apart from doing all the good things in NCT, that's what it, that's what it um, created at the end of it. Great yep. stuff. Stay with me for much more from my business shaper today. It's Kat Cazzoli, and she's the founder of Piccolo. And I actually, as an adult, I always want to taste baby food. And having had four children myself, I, I have over the oh, years. Wow. Uh, time for some more music. This is Carmen McRae with Just Give Me Time. And a minute's past. There's 60 seconds gone. Another super upbeat number here on Jazz Shapers. That's Carmen McRae with Just Give Me Time and what a wonderful voice as well. Kat Gazzoli is my business shaper today, founder of Piccolo um, and um, a food person. And I want, I want to just talk about food. I want to come back to family as well. But... Your background, apart from slow food, which if people don't know, is this movement, this global movement going 50 years, I believe, as you said earlier to me, um, which is all about putting proper food on tables. It's about connecting community uh, with the environment, really understanding what good food is about and not, not rushing things and destroying the planet that we live on. But actually... People often um, that do very well in life are very focused on the thing that they love. And I look back at your um, into your history, and I and I find that you were involved in food back at the Canadian Embassy in Rome. You've somehow or other been connected through the United Nations to food agencies. What's this thing about food? What is it? Where does it come from? Is it a family thing? Is it a you thing, or is it a bit of both? It's definitely a family thing. So we we still have a small uh, grocery shop up in the mountains of uh, northern Italy near um, Genova. So, uh, you know, I grew up around a lot of pesto uh, making and ravioli making, basically, from my Italian side of the family. And and your, what I find interesting also is your, your academic background. I mean, you've, you've, you did a politics degree, I believe, at UC in Berkeley. You got an MBA um, in St. John's. You've been involved in, you know, your school in New York. Very, very interesting, proper, substantive academic stuff. But then, uh, but you, but I mean this seriously, uh, Kat, because she's laughing at me. But the, 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 the serious side of that is that you come from a place where you understand what food is about and what the ecosystem of food is about. That combined with the family, has that created the perfect blueprint for this business you're now running? I think it's 
it, I've been exceptionally lucky and I'm like very grateful to the United Nations for the many years I spent working with their food agencies. Um, the background at Berkeley was was very helpful. You know, political science, so much can happen in politics can have to do with 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 food and, and kind of shortages and crises, etc. So they're very connected. I went I went right from um from Berkeley uh, into the United Nations while doing an MBA. And, you know, the MBA brings rigor and, and, and gives you a really good structure to understand how to solve problems, even if, of course, the United Nations, you know, you're focused on the Millennium Development Goals and really big, lofty they're not lofty, but they're difficult to achieve type of KPIs, infant mortality rates, you know, really serious stuff. But you need an MBA to help you solve such massive problems. Um, so really, those things naturally came together. Um, and, and then and from the, the UN, yes, yeah, low food. And this 15 year, as it were, um, process before 14, 15 years from graduating through to actually creating yes. your own business. In a nutshell, is it a good thing for someone setting up their business to have that, or does it not matter? You know, it's interesting because, you know, right in front of me, I have a notebook with someone's name on it, named Craig, who's Craig Sams from Green and Blacks, who has been my mentor since uh, I've come to the UK. And, you know, and he did Green and Blacks. And very much, you know, he said to me, his MBA at Wharton in the US was really helpful. I think there's a couple of key kind of key educational blocks that can help you build a business. Um, but if so you didn't it's have mentorship it. and 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 a bit of academic rigor uh, can help you get further. I don't think everyone has to have it whatsoever. We'll come back to that theme as well. Um, that'll be coming up with my more chat with my business shaper, Kat Katsoli, um, founder of Piccolo. But latest travels coming up in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our program partners at Mishkon Durea. So I'm Joe Hancock, the cybersecurity lead at Mishkondorea. One of the most common problems I see people have at the moment is almost over-collecting data. There's an obsession with data and digital. That's a really good thing. It presents brilliant opportunities. But at the same time, collecting data that you don't really need or storing data that you really shouldn't store anymore prevents a massive risk. At the same time, as having that data gives you some good kind of business outcomes, having it there means there's good a target for attackers. It means that you're much more likely to lose it. And if you don't delete it properly, you're much more likely to breach regulation. And all of this really starts to create a bit of a risk for business that isn't very well understood and isn't really well managed at the moment. Another whole set of problems that could be avoided very simply are just by doing the basics. If you use complex passwords, change your password regularly. Don't use the same password for, for multiple services, as everybody does. Even just one or two different passwords will stop you being the victim of some of the large data breaches we've seen soon. They'll protect your identity. They'll help protect your bank accounts and your finances. Just by doing very, very simple things, either as an individual or as a business, you can remove most cyber risk that's out there at the moment. Nothing can ever be 100% secure, but at the same time, you really can make your own life and your business much better by doing these things. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning. I'm very privileged because I get to spend some time with someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of the previous 250 wonderful people I have met, then you can go to iTunes and put in the words Jazz and Shapers. You'll find them there. If you're flying on British Airways, there is um, someone featured right now. It may well be Antonio Coluccio. It could be Kelly Hoppen. I 
possibly, I think it's one of the two right now. Um, and if you also want to listen online, cityam.com is another destination for you. Right now, right here, though, it's Kakatzoli, and they make food for little children, little people, with, uh, I'm not going to say herbs, I just did, and basil, but uh, nice things where you, you can in- increase the size of the palate of, um, of, your, of your child. How many people you got in the business now, Kat? We are eight. And your business is now already getting towards the millions. It's already moving up beyond the one million yep. and so on. All the plans in the world, and you talked about you know, the financial models that you, that you were helped with. What's it like actually being in the thick of it? Well, let's just, it's, it's, it's being everything to the business. So, you know, directly speaking with the CEO of, you know, one of our core suppliers or helping our intern uh, make sure we pay him back for the pizza. I mean, at, at this point, even though we're in 800, um, you know, different stores of supermarkets, um, we, it's still very much a small family business with a lot of value. So I'm, I'm, I'm at the core of a lot of uh, different elements of it. I, as we grow, obviously, we're, we're, we're getting, we're, we're bringing on, um, you know, more team members. It's, it's definitely been a total whirlwind, especially because we, we're expanding quite rapidly in terms of offering a large variety. Um, so we have grains, grains and vegetables, vegetables and fruits, you know, every kind of blend to really have that proper balance. The whole style of piccolo is around the Mediterranean approach to eating, which is really more vegetables and fruit and grains, legumes, pulses. And then, of course, we also have meat and fish running through our blends, but it's about really expanding baby's palate in in that kind of approach where mm. there's just that little something, there's just a little bit, bit of herbs and spices. And so much of that is we encourage, even though you, know, you can buy piccolo, we encourage family to eat together, not leave baby alone, and really bring it all together. Even if we've made it for the family, let's say, and they're, they're eating piccolo, we encourage them to do that together. It's very much a bonding exercise. But that's your, and that is the big picture thing you're trying to do. At the same time, yeah. though, you are eight, nine months in. You've got 800 uh, stores, as you said, that you're in, places that you're, that you're selling your, your product. Yeah. You look like you have tons of energy. You feel energetic to me, and you've still got it's spark. The, jazz. the sparkle, it's the jazz. You sparkle in your eye. But, but there's an assault of the senses going on for you intellectually and emotionally right now, I imagine, because you're, you're building this business. How do you prioritize the the important things every day? How do you find time? I guess is what I'm really I, uh, asking. I I sleep very little, um, and uh, what I am is that it's so exciting to be learning, and I, really coming from such a different world as the United Nations and and Slow Food, which have their own set of acronyms. I mean, it's taken me over a year just to get down all the acronyms there are for the grocery trade. Because before that, my head was full of kind of political, you know, all the United Nations global policy uh, acronyms around food. So I'm learning not o- I'm learning basically a whole nother landscape. Of course, in the UN and, and, and in those kind of environments, your KPIs have to do with helping people and really reaching these big goals for the planet, which you can't do without the help of others. And I feel that that has been the best training for the grocery trade, because at the end of the day, it's a partnership with the retailer. It's a partnership with the with the customer. That is why we launched directly into Waitrose. It was really shared values around ethics and, and the supply chain. And that, that I felt comfortable with that coming from an environment like the UN. Um, now, of course, this is, this is a very tumultuous time to be in a food business 
with um, with all the changes in politics. It's directly affecting uh, currencies, and you know we're buying a lot of our fruit and vegetables um, from the Mediterranean. We're sourcing all of our dairy from from the UK, from from farmers I've worked with for years in Somerset. So you haven't got much on your plate. I mean, really, Cat. <laughs> we're going to hold you just there because we've got so much to fit in. But um, stay with me for much more from uh, from my great business shape today, Cat Gazzoli. Uh, time for some more music, and this is the brilliant Watermelon Man, originally from. Herbie Hancock, and this version is from uh, Mongo Santa Maria, who's the Afro-Cuban Latin jazz percussionist. That was Watermelon Man from Mongo Santa Maria. Kat Cazzoli is my business shaper and she's the founder of Piccolo. They are a fast-growing business and they're going to be mega, I reckon, because this person in front of me is super focused on food and what it means to people and, and eating together. Is it really fun working in a business which you're passionate about or is it not as much fun because the hobby of gorgeous food and family and thing is suddenly now a business and delivering it in an operationally rigorous way <laughs> is suddenly what you have to do versus what you enjoy doing. Well, I still cook for my team all the time. Um, my my kitchen, my home is right next door to our, our office. So we, we still do all the stuff we did at the very beginning before we had one product in a supermarket. Uh, so none of that has changed. And then I have two amazing co-founders, um, Kane O'Flaherty, who's on the brand creative side, 
uh, and Alice Fotheringham, who, who's our nutritional therapist and comes from, you know, infant feeding specialist. And the three so, of you are very connected. Very connected. And how does it work? Who, at the end of the day, who makes the decisions? Or is it kind of, is there autonomy in your areas the way you're experts? I think, you know, it might be because it's just so many years in the UN where no one agrees with everyone and everyone is from a different country, so they don't even have cultural norms to make a decision. But I'm quite collaborative in my approach. So we tend to do quite a lot of team decisions. And really the rigor that Alice and Kane have brought to the business is they're both coming from classic FMCG. Uh, Kane was at Metcalf's and um, Alice was at Annabelle Carmel. So they had been in the grocery trade, let's say with branded product in, you know, five different retailers. And I am kind of the black sheep of the of the team because I'm the one who wasn't coming from straight up, you know, grocery retail branded goods. And, you know, it took them months, as, as I said earlier, to kind of bring me on that learning curve of just the whole lingo of the trade. And in terms of leadership across the other five people in the business, which is not millions yet, but it will be many more, how does that work? Is it very similar? Is it they're all part of decision making? Um, I mean, obviously, we have some some very young members of the team and and we consult with everyone. And I think it's really important that there is a lot of kind of group input. But obviously, there's some there's some things that, for example, you know, one of my team just might know better at because they've done it before. Um, I, I should add that even though it's a team of eight, I talk to our directors daily. So for me, one of the strongest points about Piccolo, what's made us get this far in, in so, you know, in in eight months is that we have an incredible board of directors. Um, we have two fantastic female investors. Uh, one is Prue Leith, who, um, you know, is a food doya and taught Jamie Oliver, does a great uh, great British menu, and then Jan Woods, who's uh, former head of HR at PepsiCo and now at Lion Capital. So that has those two women have are very helpful to the business. And then my other directors come from FMCG, and uh, let's just say are there for me on WhatsApp. This you is, know, as needed. This is like the, the, the team of superheroes that you've assembled and heroines that you've assembled for your business. It sounds like a sensible thing to do. Stay with me for my final chat with Kat. That's coming up shortly. Plus, I'll be playing a track from Candace Springs. But that's all coming up after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs> That was Candé Springs with Novocaine Heart. And Kat Cazzoli is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. So we're going to cover a lot of ground in a very short period of time, Kat. You know, um, the the world of funding and the world of female entrepreneurs, and I've interviewed, I don't know, probably 50-50 in terms of the, the men and the women I've met over the last few years, although it's much harder, I think, for a woman to get a business off the ground. But obviously, I've found the, the, the best out there. Tell me a little bit about... Um, how it's been for you. I don't know if you needed to raise money, but going forward, uh, what is your view of funding for for startups run by women? So I made it very much a point that Piccolo would have a diverse, both uh, have diverse funding on the gender side. Um, We 
I have two female investors now, and I've just launched a uh, Piccolo with Albright, which is the first female. Uh, it's a it's a platform for for female founder led businesses. And Debbie Wasco, who's actually one of the founders, was on this program. Fantastic, um, uh, probably last year, I think. And with um, Anna Jones, uh, who's the former CEO at Hearst, she you know we met and we found a lot of kind of shared values and and, and synergies just across of what what we believe as women. Is it harder, do you think, for a woman to raise money? I mean, the, the stats would say so. The stats say so. It's about ten percent of all capital goes to female male-led businesses. In my experience, it's it's pretty much a male-dominated world when you go and speak with angels and, and, and private equity. However, I personally have had a, a fantastic experience with uh, investors who get the social purpose of Piccolo, because Piccolo gives back. It gives back uh, to the National Childbirth Trust, the NCT, and our own charity. So that was about finding diverse set of investors who believed in social goals and women tend to instinctively get that higher social purpose. I did find that through male investors as well, but I have joined forces with Albright because it is a fantastic platform for uh, for crowdfunding, for, for angels to come in and invest in female-led businesses, which have a different kind of feel. As I said, like I'm quite collaborative. I, I, I very much bring in my team on key decisions. I work very closely with our directors, and I do think that is... Uh, somewhat typical of female leadership. Is it harder, do you think, for a woman running a business than it is for a man because of the way that a woman will view their role as a parent? I mean, again, I, think, I know yeah. that you're a parent yep. and you will... I'm not saying that men... And obviously, I'm a man. I don't take my role as a parent seriously. But I often find that women take the burden and if the as, a, as in managing the family. Absolutely. Why is that still? I mean, we're in the 21st century. It sounds kind of old-fashioned and crazy, doesn't it? I mean, the statistics are quite incredible but in the US and the UK about how many women kind of drop out women with you know a college degree and a masters start to drop out, drop out of the workforce you know in their 30s when they're having uh, babies and i think that that is very much because the whole workforce and this is very much including grocery needs to offer more flexible working more job shares Piccolo does that as an employer. We obviously attract quite a lot of, lot of uh, female candidates when we're hiring. Um, so I think that more there would be more women both opening businesses, investing in other businesses, and just staying in the workforce, of mm. which they bring so much value to the UK, if there was more flexible working. And you're going to be a champion of that, and you are a champion. You've we got are. To, you've got to keep going. We're going to run out of time. Listen, it's been brilliant talking to you. I want you back in a few years when this business is £20 million, and you're in <laughs> however many countries. I can feel it's going to happen, Kat. You've got the, the look in your eyes that's, that's going to ensure that. Just before I let you go, though, and I don't know where you're going today, probably another country, Italy. lucky you. Italy, there she goes. Um, what's your song choice, and why have you chosen it? Well, uh, I grew up in, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Soho and I used to take the A train up to Harlem. So my song would be On My Way to Harlem by Gregory Porter. Brilliant. Here it is just for you. Thank you so much.
That was Gregory Porter with On My Way to Harlem, the song choice of my business shaper today, Kat Gazzoli, who's the founder of Piccolo. Talk about energy and focus and a love of food and a love of family, all in one person, and a really deep understanding of how important it is to collaborate, both within your business and outside of it. And someone I think going forward will be a real champion for women in business and women starting businesses up. All fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday here on Jazz FM. Meantime, though, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.